Welcome to Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything cinematic. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect. Boom. Uh, great to see everyone today and great to see you, Van Connor. It's always a pleasure to see you, Miss Perfect. But do you know what I find even more, more, uh, even more pleasurable than your fine company is a damn good movie. So... I mean, have we got anything close to that this week? Do you want to, you want to take us through anything you think might count as vaguely good? Because I've seen about a quarter of Justice League at this stage, and no, I need cheering up. Okay, well, I've got one that's coming out on Netflix or, or today, in fact, and um, it's called Fatal. It stars Michael Ely and also Hilary Swank. And I have a smile on my face when I talk about this movie because I don't think this is a movie for 2020. This is a movie that should have come out in the early 2000s thousands if not in the 90s um, that's right, so, no, 1991 at best yeah, okay fine, fine 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 i think i was being generous with that so <laughs> this is a sexy thriller people um this is uh, this is this should have starred michael douglas i mean um this this follows um uh, the story of a guy who is um He's built, he's a self-made millionaire, maybe billionaire, who- um, like a sexy sports agent type. He's like- Yeah, is everything slick, sexy about this? Yeah, yeah. everything's sexy, Every, everything. Every, does he have a car? It's sexy. Does he have a watch? He's it's got sexy a rotating watch. car parking space. I mean, it's all sexy. Um, he has, he has. If he, if he wore plimsolls, they'd be sexy plimsolls. Everything is sexy. Yeah, so basically, not so sexy. He's having a bit of trouble and strife with the old wife. And so those are the- <laughs> <laughs> that rhymed. That rhymed. Yeah, yeah. And so it goes on um, a bachelor, a bachelor trip to. Uh, sorry, a bat. What is it? What are they called? Like a stag do, bachelor. They call them. They're just just bachelor party weekend. Bachelor that's party really. Weekend. They're doing the bachelor party weekend yeah. in Vegas routine, aren't they? Exactly. Where he meets um, a hot lady who's played by uh, Hilary Swank. Um, they get down and dirty, and um, he returns thinking he's got away with it. Um, but then. One night, him and his wife get broken into in their multi-million pound apartment um, and suddenly the detective who is uh, solving the case is none other than the woman he slept with. I'm Detective Valerie Quinlan. I'm sure this was a very terrifying ordeal for you guys tonight. Your first name, is it Derek or Darren? Derek. Derek. I understand that you came face to face with the intruder. Um, I didn't see his face. You know, he just choked me, he fired the gun a couple of times. Have we met before? Excuse me? I'm certain I know you from somewhere. I don't think so. Right, I, I, I'm a big fan of this on concept alone. Like you said, this should have been Michael Douglas. Now, first yeah. of all, the answer is if you make this movie in this century, there's only one man in the world that you cast, and they did. Yeah. Because that's all he does now. Michael Ely is just machine crafted solely to do this. Like if you've got a sexy psycho thriller or anything like that, you just go and get Michael Ely. That's what you do. And he's. The best part is, he's worked with this director. This is directed by Dion Taylor, who yeah. directed The Intruder, which we reviewed last year with Dennis Quaid as the, the homeowner who sold his home to uh, Michael Ely and his wife, the goddess that is Megan Good, and then, like, stalked the hell out of him. This is the same thing. I have to, 
started to, to call up Zara Phelan after the, after I watched this and, and ask, is there just something about Michael Ely that just sends women like crazy to the extent of stalking him? Because that just seems to be every female character in every movie he has. Is there is there any truth to this? And her response was, have you seen those eyes? I was just going to say, I was literally just going to say, it's the eyes. It's the <laughs> eyes. The eyes have them. <laughs> um, for me, I, I kind of, I was smirking throughout this mm. because this is not of this time, this movie. This is, it's so long of the long in our day and age, but I love it more for it. Um, yeah. Hilary Swank, she's pretty badass in this. And actually, mm. We haven't seen her be like that until we saw, uh, most recently, I think in The Hunt is when we saw her kick some serious butt. And yeah. she's so funny because she's very placid initially and it's more terrifying that she's like that. She's a proper femme fatale. And then when it all kind of kicks off, you kind of see her true colors. And it's, it's the progression that you need from a movie like this. It's cheesy, but not to the yeah. extent where you're kind of going, this is so ridiculous, it's laughable. Like there's, there's real emotion in this, there's elements of desperation, there's like uncanny kind of um, moments of her just being really quite terrifying. Um, and you know you've got all the setups. So you've got the hot Hollywood mansion, but then you've got like where she lives is of course in a warehouse with that those lifts that you lift up the top. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the wooden, the wooden, yeah, the, the wooden freight elevator. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those. It's like it's classic. And then you've got like I love, yeah, I loved all the elements of it. it. Just it was just so fun for what we needed to be. Right, that's it, isn't it? Because nothing about this is game-changing at right. all. There's nothing here that's going to redefine the genre. No one's calling Dion Taylor an auteur or a master craftsman no. for this one. What you've got is it's a neon-drenched, very sweaty, sexy psycho thriller starring Michael Ely, only this time he's being stalked by an Oscar winner <laughs> instead of, I don't know, like Dennis Quaid. It, it, that's really, I mean, the, the most shocking thing about this is how well, you know, Luke Cage himself, Mike Coulter, works as the sort of sleazy best friend. I had fun with it, but I'm not going to describe it as like an awards caliber film. It's perfect on Netflix, which is, you know, where it's releasing today. I say perfect for that. You put this on, you tune out for an hour and 45 minutes, you watch this sub-fatal attraction, unlawful entry riff with Michael Ely being all sexy-like, because that's just what he does now. And you think, that was perfectly enjoyable. Yeah, and you're right. Like, do you know what? It's an hour. It's actually an hour and 42 minutes. So it's nice. I was guessing entirely, if you but, want the truth. I was just like, that's like clearly a 105 minute movie. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's a good, easy watch. You take away from it what you want. You don't think too much into it, but you have a, you have, it's like a fun Friday night flick. You know, that's what I'd say. And, I mean, going back to your point as well, Hilary Swank having the time of her life. Yeah. You can tell she is enjoying the heck out of this. She is having an absolute blast. And power to her, she's won her Oscars. She's she's good. Like, she, she doesn't need to prove herself as an actress. She's, she did that at a very, very early age. And, you know, this joins, like you say, The Hunt and... There was that one, The Reaping, I think, that was, yeah. like, 2007, that was, like, The, the Ten Plagues. Where she was, in, she was like investigating um, yeah. the 
And that had a sort of similar eroticism kind of element to this, but she seems to enjoy this stuff. And power to her. You know what? She's a Karate Kid alum. She's a Karate Kid alum and an Oscar winner. Let her do what she likes. Yeah, exactly. So Fatal is available on Netflix from today. If you want a sexy psycho thriller, this is going to be the one for you. If you're missing Fatal Attraction and um, you know, anything that includes a bunny boiler, this is the movie that's going to pick it back up for 2021. Um, let's, let's see how many... Like, how many thumbs are you going to give this? Oh, do you know what? Just for the experience, two whopping. Yeah. Oh, I had a great time. Great time. Loved yeah, it. Great time. Like, as an academic film, it's probably like a one thumb. But like as, as an experience, you know. Yeah, as an experience. It was, yeah. Have a few as drinks. A as a throwback, it was a good one to have. So good laughs there. Um, let's move yeah. on to our next movie, which is Silk Road, which is available on, on digital. So I assume that's on video on demand. You, got, you can get hold of that. Um, it's available from today as well. So what's this one about? So Silk Road, this stars... Do you remember, do you remember Jurassic World? You remember the, the, the two Baby. kids? Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Bryce Dallas Howard's nephews. Yeah. In, uh, you know the ones who are getting, whose parents were getting a divorce and for some reason they thought to include that in the plot because it was in any way relevant? That yeah. one. Yeah. Um, well, the older one of those two kept coming out with weirdly toxic moments with literally every woman he encountered. He's the lead here and he plays Ross Ulbricht, who's the guy who... You know, in reality, this is obviously based on a true story, created Silk Road, the online marketplace famously referred to both within the film and without it as Amazon for drugs, which I'm not even I'm not going to voice my own personal opinions on that one, but it does still exist in some form or other. You can still access this website in the world, and it does not require a degree to do so. Believe me. Right. Um, so this is this is the story of how he created that site, how he created Amazon for drugs, and the uh, the DEA agent uh, Rick Bowden, I believe he's uh, he's named, um, played by Jason Clark. Now, that's a very important point on the quality of the film, actually. Uh, played by Jason Clark, who sets out to capture him. However, in doing so, finds himself, as a vulnerable family man, very quickly being led, almost against his will, down a path equally, if not even more criminal. And of course, this all comes with an element of shameless publicity in which our young Mr. Albrecht must effectively turn to gossip rags in order to launch his product to begin with, culminating in phone calls like this. Who's this? Um, you don't know me, but I have your next story. 30 seconds. Making small talk with your pot dealer sucks. Buying cocaine can get you shot, but what if you could buy drugs online like socks or light bulbs? Now you can with an online website called Silk Road. Did you coach him on this? Who am I talking with? Call me Mark. No last name, but you can quote me. You created it? No, but I ordered 10 hits of acid delivered to my doorstep by the US Postal Service. And what did that feel like? Well, to tell you the truth, Adrian, it kind of felt like the future. <laughs> I mean, my biggest surprise from that statement is actually that he used the US Postal Service and the thing actually turned up. But yeah. I, I, Do you know what? I like Jason Clark. Do you not? No, no, I like Jason Clark. I think Jason Clark is an excellent actor. I think he has no charisma whatsoever, but he is an excellent actor. He's kind of like Army Hammer, only minus the alleged cannibalism. Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at his um, his sort of back portfolio of work from Terminator Genesis, Pet Cemetery, Everest, 
man with the iron heart, not that I recognize that, and lawless are kind of the top ones that sort of spring out for him. You'll know his, um, if you don't, if you're not familiar with J- Jason Clark, the name, you'll recognize his face. You you particularly would, because he was the lead in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he kind, of, he kind of rose to prominence, really, in, uh, what was it, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, the Catherine Bigelow film. Yeah. Um, and gosh, 51 years old. I, I wouldn't have thought that. I, for some reason, thought he was younger. Anyway, look, uh, you say he's devoid, he's void of um, <laughs> any sort of personality and charisma in this movie? <laughs> Well, I mean, he's he's the best thing about the movie. I okay. mean, other than the story itself. Because, first of all, the story is fascinating. Like, how yeah. can the story of Silk Road not be fascinating? I've watched at least three or four documentaries in the last couple of years about Silk Road. Because I, I find it a fascinating tale. Yeah. Just because, although Russ, Russ, Russ or Ross, I think it's Ross Ulbrich, uh, although he uh, presented himself as being a libertarian and he, you know, maintained that, you know, he did Silk Road, he created Silk Road as a way to subvert the system. It's a way to, you know, democratize this process. It's a way to reduce certain unhealthy elements in our society. Uh, I think there's a lot of posing going on there. And the film seems to buy into his BS quite a lot. The film presents itself for the the longest part of its runtime as being completely objective about it. But every single time Jason Clarke turns up, the film suddenly pivots as, as if it's on some sort of Dutch angle. And the film, incidentally, directorially, does have a shred of attitude, but not what you would call a visible personality. What I will say, though, is whenever Jason Clarke's on screen, the film seems to pivot to some sort of, you know, uh, metaphorical Dutch angle, as if to say, no, 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 he's really the villain here. Our guy's good. Our guy's good. But in order to depict him honestly, he has to come across as a bit unpleasant. I mean, frankly, it comes across as a bit annoying. And weirdly, if you ever actually saw the real guy and listened to him speak or anything like that, you'd immediately think, that's Robert Pattinson. That's who you cast as. It's Robert Pattinson. Like, this is the role that gets Robert... This is Robert Pattinson's social network. Yeah. That's what this is. Unfortunately, it's not the social network. It's closer to Billionaire's Boys Club. Billionaire Boys Club, sorry. Right, okay. So, look, did you... I mean, I think... I feel like you like this slightly less than Fatal. I, I, I didn't dislike it. I think my problem is it's it very basic. <laughs> it's, well, it's not. That's it. There's no Michael Ely in it to sex it up. That's that's totally what it is. But that's it's just it's lacking charisma. And the whole element of this Silk Road thing is it's so tied into a millennial, a post-millennial culture, that verging on Gen Z aesthetic. It's so tied into this democratization, this using the internet as a, as a weapon of democracy which in the face of our modern day is actually something that I think deserves more celebration recognition than it actually got because look at the last couple of years look at troll culture look at you know I mean look at Justice League coming out yeah. look at what that represents and you you look at things like that and you think it's amazing to me that this wasn't taken more seriously this is making blow when you should have been making Goodfellas and that's a problem for me. I don't think the film is... I mean, that's again, that's that's outside of the film itself. The film itself is fine, but again, nothing that's going to reinvent the genre, nothing that you haven't seen done better a billion places elsewhere, and nothing that's ever more than basically engaging, to yeah, be really honest. And I think, you know, when you're having to make an informed decision as to pay for this on video on demand, it mm. kind of goes, does it warrant it? Probably not. But wait for this to maybe go on to a streaming service in the future. Um, but, you know, and this is the thing, when you can get something like Fatal for free on Netflix subscription, why not go yeah, with that? Fatal. Uh, every, every time. You, you every need that, time. That, that Michael Ely sexiness. That's what you need. 
Um, so how many thumbs are you going to give Silk Road? I, I will give it a thumb and a, I'll give it a thumb and a half because it did it held my attention. Admittedly, I'm an easy lay for this subject anyway. Like like say the whole the whole dark web culture does fascinate me. Yeah. Um, and usually it's in a documentary directed by Alex Winter of all people, but in this case it was perfectly fine. Welcome back to Off Screen. We're keeping you on the couch because we've got all your movies on TV ready to roll for you. And it kicks off on your Saturday night on BBC Two at 11.20pm with Love and Mercy. Now, this is a pick that I wanted to throw into this list because last week uh, we talked about... In fact, this week uh, we talked about... This was this week. This week that Sir Ken... Yes, Sir Ken, is doing a Bee Gees biopic. Um, And we talked about that on the Stereo app. And actually, when we were talking about that piece of news, I mentioned that maybe it's an interesting one because how will audiences take to it? Um, Is the story going to be compelling enough? And interestingly, Love and Mercy is actually a bit of a biopic about the Beach Boys, particularly about Brian Wilson. Now, it stars Paul Dano in it, um, as well as Elizabeth Banks and John Cusack and Paul Giamatti. So great cast across this. However, did it have the weight to hold an audience? Did it do the business? Unfortunately, it didn't really. And that was the problem. But for, for no... like without any issues it was actually quite a good film it was compelling to watch an interesting insight into the world of um the beach boys and and sort of the the trials and tribulations of the band in the 60s and for me i think it's worth your time especially on a saturday night at 11 20 p.m absolutely it came out not long after uh, straight out of compton as well mm. so we kind of we got the joy of paul giamatti playing the sleazy corrupt manager of not yeah. one but two bands in the space of a year um the thing that never gets mentioned about this film anymore is it's always weird to me because it seemed to be the, the coolest thing about it like going into it was that paul dano and john cusack were both playing brian wilson at different yeah. times in his life and obviously i think you get paul dano on the way to, you know, being, you know, an isolated, inconsolable uh, character. And then you get John Cusack taking it over from there years later with, uh, and, you know, ex- rediscovering himself through the romance with uh, Elizabeth Banks. Very, very good performance. But then again, I mean, when is Paul Dano not good? And don't say Jonah Hex because we all know that movie sucks. It's an exception to the rule. Um, John Cusack, though, I mean, this is, this is during one of his, like, down spirals. He never got the credit for this, despite the fact that we had written off John Cusack for a long time before this movie he came out of nowhere with this and i think he knocked it out of the park yeah yeah so look if you guys are interested in like a good biopic this is a good movie for you to to check out it's not gonna it's not gonna sort of reinvent the wheel or it's not gonna do anything that's particularly groundbreaking but it's a good insight into the world of the beach boys maybe you've heard of the beach boys and don't really know who they are um this is a good way to learn i mean i don't know how you don't know who they are but I anyway. mean, most of us most of us have seen love actually so yeah you know, exactly, exactly but yeah that's available for you on bbc2 at 11 20 p.m on saturday so you might want to hit the record button for that but um moving on to sunday um oh great movie from the 90s a time oh, to one. kill yeah is on bbc1 at 11 30 p.m another late one uh, for us but this is sandra bullock and matthew mcconaughey um this is uh the, the investigation of a a murdered uh well, perpetrator after a, a guy's daughter is raped um, and the case around that. Were you aware that if convicted, they might be freed in only 10 years? Yes, sir. I heard people say that. Yes, sir. Do you think men who kidnap a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Do you think two men who rape a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. Do you think two men who hang a child should be free in 10 years? No, sir. 
Well, what do you think should happen to them? What would be a fair sentence? Objection, do you think Your they Honor. deserve to die, Mr. Hennig? Answer the question. Carly, yeah, don't they deserve to die. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. I love that moment. It's one of my favourite moments in any movie ever. Yeah. I will point out as well that they, did, those two, Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson, did follow this up about 18 months later by co-starring as leads in uh, The Negotiator, one of my favourite thrillers and the very first film from F. Gary Gray. Oh. So uh, this is this is a film that at the time was pretty much an all-star, all-star vehicle. It was, look, we know we're just doing To Kill a Mockingbird again. Nobody's under any 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 illusion about that. We know that John Grisham's book is just a rehash of, you know, Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird and probably more the film than the book, if we're being honest. But we're going to inject some 90s style into it. Here's Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson and one of the greatest casts I've ever seen in a film. So McConaughey, Sandra Bullock, Patrick McGowan, is it Ashley Judd? I think it's Ashley Judd in this yeah. one, not Charlize Theron. Uh, Kevin Spacey, Sam Jackson, both Sutherlands. Yeah. So, Donnie and Kiefer, not Rossif, thankfully. Rossif does not come near this one. <clears throat> Oliver Platt. It's just Owen, Oliver Platt. That's who I was trying to remember. I don't know why I was thinking Paul Giamatti. You put Paul Giamatti in my head, and I'm picturing Paul Giamatti when I want oh, to picture. Chris Cooper oh. is in this as well. Yes, isn't he one of the Ku Klux Klan? He's the, one of the deputies. He's, deputy. he's one of the deputies. Yeah, he's one of the deputies in that. I mean, this is, you know, when you think of the 90s and you think of a courtroom drama and, you know, this is kind of, it's up there. It's the, it's the spine-tingling moments of this are brilliant. And you know what? Every time I see the poster, I'm always a bit like, oh, it's such a great film. I mean, it, for its place in, in sort of the industry history as well, this was the film that crystallised the template of the John Grisham adaptation. Mm. So we'd had a couple, I think, going up to this. We'd had The Firm, obviously, that was quite a high-profile one because of its, mainly because of its stars more than the actual film itself, which was Tom Cruise and I think Gene Hackman. We then had The Pelican Brief yeah. and The Client, also, I think, as well. The Pelican Brief, that's also with Sandra Bullock. Isn't it? Oh no, the Pelican Brief is Julia Roberts. Although I can okay. see why you'd they they, they kind of have the same career, really, yeah. don't they? Yeah. It's, it's easy to me. Don't you think that this a time to kill kind of you know after Matthew McConaughey sort of like dazed and confused and and rom com kind of thing? This cements him as a serious actor. This is his start of his trajectory. One, this is this is that phase when they were trying to put him forward as he's the young heartthrob who can act. He's the guy you get for the blockbuster thriller yeah. now. Never quite worked out for him, and he kind of meandered for about a decade after this before we started to see what we would come to know as the McConaissance. You know, things like yeah. the Lincoln Lawyer, which again, Lincoln Lawyer feeds into to this. You know, it goes back to that. That's Michael Connolly adapted for the screen. But you know, we're getting a TV show out of that now, yeah. so yeah, it, it worked. And obviously, McConaughey went on to to get his Oscars, so you exactly. know, it, it all worked out in the end. The less we say about Kevin Spacey, the better. Although I will say that you know, history has proven he was kind of perfectly cast in roles like this. So mm. there's that. Mm -hmm. So that is A Time to Kill. That's on BBC One at 11.30pm. Great movie. Again, press that record button for that on Sunday night because I think it's going to be worth you wanting to revisit again and again. Have you noticed that like all of our picks this week, and this is completely by accident, all of our picks this week tend to be late night movies. Like we seem to have nothing that's on before about like 9.30. I don't think this week. Well, thank goodness that, you know, the Americans invented TiVo and we have we have our equivalents here in the did UK. They, did, they, did the Americans develop TiVo? I think they did. I, I, I have no idea, like offhand, I don't know. The idea of recording uh, content 
I always think back to maybe Sex and the City and them referring to TiVo in that. So before we think about like, you know, Sky Plus. Um, anyway, let's move on to one of your picks of the week, which is Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a typical you number. Um, this is on ITV4 at 10.30pm on Monday. Talk us through it. Right, did we, I, don't, I can't remember, did we talk about Crank 2 High Voltage recently? Because I know I did on Paul Ross's show, and so I don't always no, use didn't. the same picks. Sometimes I change the picks. Like when you've picked one that we've covered recently on Extra Time, for instance, I'll uh, take something different for that. So I did Crank 2 High Voltage recently on uh, Talk to Ball with Paul Ross, and I'm, I'm a big, big fan of the Crank movies. There's only two of them. Uh, Neville Dean and Taylor directing. This stars Jason Statham. It is one of the most gonzo bonkers movies ever created by mankind. I love it. No matter what time of day it's on, you put this on, you will start running. It's best watching it on a treadmill, if we're being honest. (laughs) Just, yeah. If you can shoot yourself full of adrenaline and get on a treadmill whilst you're watching this movie, absolutely do it, because it fits the movie perfectly. Statham is Chev Chelios. He is a low-level enforcer for mob bosses, effectively, in downtown LA. However, one day, one of his rivals basically breaks into his house, while breaks into his house, renders him unconscious, and injects him with a substance that leaves him forced to keep his adrenaline above a certain level in order to not die. And his only hope through all of this is to basically leg it from one end of LA to the other, keeping his pulse above a certain rate, end to end, long enough for him to track down the cure. And yeah, this is exactly the kind of sensitive, thought-provoking drama you might expect. I just f***ing kill you. <clears throat> you try not to embarrass yourself. Candid camera. Oh, is this right here I gave you? This is some high-tech, sci-fi, Chinese, ooh, synthetic I don't exactly what the f*** is this dude. All I know is that what's this has binded with your blood cells. You f- baby, and believe me, it's dumb binded. Yeah, you got yourself about an hour max. Tick tock. It's been real. You probably should that twice before you whacked on Kim. Who is that that's speaking? Is that is that, is that Efren Ramirez? I think that I is. Know. Oh no 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 no! Efren Ramirez. Efren Ramirez is Chev Chelios's only friend, because there's a really bizarre. He's in both movies as different characters, and it is insane. It's like it's the kind of storytelling acrobatics that you're like, you know what? I'll, I'll tolerate it in this movie because it perfectly fits, but you wouldn't anywhere else. Okay, um, this sounds hilarious. I've never seen Crank or Crank Two, and probably because the title just doesn't overly appeal. But I, I quite fancy giving it a go now. I'm not sure how it actually would I'd have to I'd have to research this with the first one how, I, I, I think it's traditionally filmed the first one by the time they got to the sequel the GoPro had been invented right and they actually just went out bought loads of them and just destroyed them making the sequel so the sequel is even more dread- the sequel in one, at one point involves a cameo by Jerry Hallowell as Jason Statham's mum the what? best death that yep the best death you've ever seen involving a member of the cast of its always sunny in Philadelphia (laughs) and a prolonged sequence in which Jason Statham wears a paper mache version of his own head and reenacts a Godzilla movie. That's the sequel. This movie is almost that bonkers. Wow. And I will say also does feature a cameo from a certain sadly departed member of a iconic new metal band. Let's just say that. I can't recommend highly enough that if you've never seen it, Bex, you check out the Crank movies. They are insane and they are wonderful. It feels like 
The only thing that it's missing is Nicolas Cage. <laughs> it, it has that feel to it, though, the kind yeah. of thing. that It's the kind of thing like Willy's Wonderland now that Nick yeah. Cage would absolutely go and do now. You know if they'd offered this to Nick Cage, he absolutely would have taken it. But it fits Statham so perfectly. And if you have no idea how the sequel works, I defy you to watch this movie, get to its ending, and then explain to me how you would how you would do a sequel because how they do it is one of those things you could only get away with with these movies okay well i'm convinced sold officially sold that's monday night itv4 10 30 p.m crank um if you've never heard of it before as i hadn't maybe you're sold on it as i am now and um, we'll be back very shortly with more movies on tv to round off your week and now it's time for a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Oh, hey, Van. What's going down? Hey, nothing going down with the rent. You know that? Yeah. And you know what? I've been I've been really loving what we've been doing over the past few weeks, which is going live on mm. stereo with the off screen live sessions. I have to say, this has been so much fun because for anyone who doesn't know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5 p.m. UK time, we've been going live for essentially what is our after party from the off screen podcast over on the stereo app. So we take you through the top movie news that has broken in the 24 hours before our, our call. And we, took, we look at the three top pieces of news. And essentially, not only are we talking about it, but you guys can get involved in it as well because it's all live. So you can join us live on that. We can all have a conversation. You can ask us anything you want to know about movies or just obviously the topics that we've got. And it's over on the Stereo app. So if you haven't got that yet, you should definitely check it out. It's good. It's good fun, isn't it? Like, I've had a really good time with it. Like, I wouldn't have thought that I would take to it. Like, I've resisted you on similar platforms in the past when you've tried to bring me into the future. But, you know, kicking and screaming into yeah. the modern modern days of social networking. But I've actually really gotten on with, uh, with Stereo. It's been really fun. Yeah, and do we've you had some you... interesting contributions, haven't we? We really have. And I know what has won you over. It's the fact that both you and I get turned into little, into little <laughs> avatars. And um, we end up basically looking like we're just talking to each other on, on the app, which I think is fantastic. Um, it just feels really intuitive, really innovative. It allows us to engage with all of you lovely lot at home as well well in a completely different way and again like we say every monday wednesday friday 5 p.m uk time why not come and have a chat about movies with us we'd love to hear you looking to stay in the loop with the latest movie news then say hello to the daily reel your bite-sized hit of the biggest happenings hirings firings release dates scandals and everything else going on behind the silver screen delivered to your ears every weekday morning in less time than you'll spend in the shower subscribe to the daily reel on all major podcast platforms or ask alexa to install the daily reel skill for your morning flash briefing make your morning cinematic with the daily reel Welcome back to Off Screen. We're keeping you on the couch for the second half of your week with all the big movies on TV. And you know what? What we're bringing you this week is everyone's favourite film. I think I can declare it as that because everyone loves this movie. Yeah, everyone's got a soft spot for this movie. It is it is good fun. Um, on Thursday, uh, Tuesday even, sorry, Tuesday, we've got Dodgeball. I'm running away with the week there. Dodgeball on uh, Film 4 at 11.40pm. 
why is it on so late? That's not for us to decide. That's for obviously the TV stations too. But um, a true underdog story, isn't it? It's um, <laughs> it stars Vince Vaughn and also, um, of course, uh, Ben Stiller as well. So we're following essentially the story of an average guy who owns a gym. Um, and he's trying to save it by participating in the dodgeball championships. Well, not only is it an average gym, it's literally named Average Joe's Gym. Yeah. <laughs> right, so the whole thing, of course, being that to save the gym, that they, they enter those championships. But of course, the reason dodgeball is, one of those reasons that dodgeball is so fondly remembered now is because it just features one of the most awkward, in retrospect, cameos ever put to film. This is like having Bill Cosby turn up in your rom-com. Yeah. They had Lance Armstrong turn up in their sports movie to deliver this monologue. You know, once I was thinking about quitting when I was diagnosed with brain, lung, and testicular cancer all at the same time. But with the love and support of my friends and family, I got back on the bike and I won the Tour de France five times in a row. But I'm sure you have a good reason to quit. So what are you dying from that's keeping you from the finals? Right now feels a little bit like shame. Well, I guess if a person never quit when the going got tough, they wouldn't have anything to regret for the rest of their life. But good luck to you, Peter. I'm sure this decision won't haunt you forever. I mean, to give him credit, Lance is absolutely correct. I mean, although I personally have never swapped out my urine to hide the love and support of my family and friends. So what is that? <laughs> I mean, there's stuff that just is cemented in, in time and things that you just can't change. And a Lance Armstrong cameo is one of them. <laughs> did you ever see, did you ever see the, uh, the, the the Ben Foster, Chris O'Dowd movie about, the biopic about uh, Lance Armstrong, well, specifically about his scandal? No, I didn't actually. I think, what, I think it was called the, the programme, I think. It was like 2015. 2014 maybe thereabouts but right. it, it got panned and it in no way deserved you like this is I think this is better than it's being given credit for but anyway you know what is better than anyone gives it credit for is dodgeball yeah well. yeah it's it's funny it's like it's likable it's it, you know Vince Vaughn is so likable and Ben still is hilarious in it uh, Justin Long we've got in this oh, well. Justin Long. <laughs> I mean the cast dog man Jason Bateman Rip Torn is in this as well Jason Bateman as what's his name Cotton? I think it's Cotton. Pe no, Pepper. Uh, Pepper. Oh, Pepper. That's it. Yeah, Pep. Pep. Oh God, he just gets the best lines in this movie. It's got an amazing uh, Chuck Norris cameo. Yeah. I think Shatner and Hasselhoff turn up in it, and and of course we got to talk about the best Hank character Azaria. in this whole movie. Uh, yeah, Hank Azaria. Yeah, the best character in the whole movie though, because Hank Azaria is young, Rip Torn, I believe. Yeah, uh, I think he, so. He turns to be but uh, the best character in the whole movie is the current star of the Sci-Fi Channel's Resident Alien, which is a brilliant series. It's Alan Tudyk. Yes. Whom I adore. I love Alan Tudyk. He's and Steve he, in this. Steve the Pirate. He is amazing in this. He's worth the movie just on his own, I think. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, I, look when I say it's everyone's favourite movie, they always kind of... There's always something really positive that you can say about this movie. And I think it, it, it's at, at a time, you know, 2004, when we were like the height of Will Ferrell and all that kind of mm. stuff that was going on. This slots in perfectly to that kind of time frame as well. So Crank, it, crank which we talked about before, is, is great as well. Um, but Dodgeball is um, <laughs> equally as good. I don't, I've got it in my mind that I need to go and watch Crank now, but Dodgeball is on film 4 at 11.40pm <laughs> on Tuesday. God, wait, it, you can tell it's the end of the week. <laughs>
<laughs> oh yeah, you can. So let's talk about then about uh, on oh we got Wednesday the twenty. We've not got a clip for this one, but I'm really happy that we we actually get to cover it once because this has come up a few times and we haven't gotten to do it. There's always been better things on, uh, but I, I think it's the best film on that night. Okay, so this is uh, Horror Channel at I think it's ten forty-five p.m. on Wednesday, twenty-fourth. This is George Romero's Land of the Dead. This is the fourth installment of the of the Dead. Seriously, you know, you had Night of the Living Dead, you had Dawn of the Dead, you had Day of the Dead, then you get Land of the Dead, in which, and they're all like self-contained movies, you don't have to yeah. one to necessarily, they're, they're zombie movies, you know what the crack is, and they always feature different characters anyway, for that Have you got, have you got a favourite? Have you got a favourite out of the, is it a trilogy? I can't remember. I think, well, there's so many awful sequels that he's come out with, his Island of the Dead is particularly poor. I didn't like Diary of the Dead, the found footage one, but I was never going to anyway, because found footage um, this I, I think this is the second best for me after dawn of the dead yeah. and only because i've never especially warmed to the original beyond it being you know iconic yeah. uh, this is where the surviving members of humanity have basically walled off one last city that is overseen by a sort of corrupt mayor played by Dennis Hopper, no less, the late, great Dennis Hopper. And it's got cameos from everyone, you know, of the Pantheon, of every surviving member of the Pantheon of, of Romero Cannon, and even has cameos that you won't be able to recognize, admittedly, from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, because this opened around the time of Shaun of the Dead. So, you know, he opened the dead. The lead here is, I think, Simon Baker from The Mentalist. Uh, female lead is Azure Argento, and you've got characters in there that just defy belief. John Leguizamo, Johnny Legs wow. has got a pretty good role in this as well. It's really good. Originally, it was entitled Dead Reckoning. Uh, I think it was Day of the Dead, Dawn, uh, Dead Reckoning, or something like that. In name of the name for the bus that they actually build over the course of the movie. It is very worth checking out, though. I think of all of the Romero ones in the modern era, like post Day of the Dead, I think this is far and away the best one. But I appreciate, you know, Dawn of the Dead. Is Do you know what? I've just, I've just had to look it up. I didn't realise oh. that Dennis Hopper was dead. Oh, did you know? No. Oh, Dennis Hopper is. Yeah, Dennis Hopper sadly passed. Twenty ten. Yeah. Wow. God, how has it been? Has it been eleven years since Dennis Hopper died? Eleven years. Yeah. Twenty ten. Oh my god. I know. Wow. It just. You know what it is? You feel like he's still around because you watch Super Mario Brothers so often, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, ain't no Kim Cooper uh, quite like Dennis Hopper in that. Um, okay, so, so Land of the Dead, Horror Channel, 10.45pm on Wednesday. Let's start rounding off the week. And do you know what? Start revving your engines because um, <laughs> we've got a movie for you uh, that I think, again, it, this this actually, for me, when I saw, saw it as an Edgar Wright film, this was not what I expected. And... Um, it completely sort of took me in a completely di different direction with him. I'm, of course, I'm talking about Baby Driver. Um, this stars um, Ansel El... I can never say it right. Ansel Elgort? Ansel, Ansel Elgort, I believe, is, yeah. is the pronunciation, yes. Ansel Elgort. Lily James is in this. John Hamm. Um, Isa Gonzalez. Jamie Foxx. I mean, this is the movie... Um, it's a... It's a heist getaway movie isn't it with loads with an amazing soundtrack um it's super cool super slick and it made loads and loads of fans as a result and of course because we've already had one movie with a guy who got me too here's a movie with two of them so you're just starting your day or did you just get off oh i don't know if i ever get off they call i go you know so what is it you do i'm a driver oh like a like a chauffeur you drive around important people. I guess I do. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. 
Well, aren't you mysterious? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe? <laughs> so when was the last time you hit the road just for fun? Yesterday. Oh, I'm jealous. Sometimes all I want to do is head west on 20 in a car I can't afford with a plan I don't have. Just me, my music, and the road. I'd like that, too. Correction, I'm actually mistaken. Sorry, neither Kevin Spacey nor Ansel Elgort were in fact Me Too. That is factually inaccurate. Please do not quote me on that. In fact, Kevin Spacey was accused of sexual assault. I believe it was drugging and raping Anthony Rapp from Star Trek, uh, while Ansel Elgort merely courted underage girls. Sorry, that's my correction. <laughs> Oh, okay. Moving on. Just, for, uh, just to cover, just to cover us legally. That's all. Yeah. Okie dokie dokie daddy. Uh, let's move on to um, talking about what we thought of the film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be that would be sensible. Um, I, I, I mean, look for me. The reason why I say this stuff about Edgar Wright is Cornetto trilogy is all I really know Edgar Wright for, and and I think a lot of people kind of think about that in a, in a way, and then suddenly here he comes with Baby Driver. Did you not watch uh, Spaced when it was on TV? I was in Spaced. Were you in Spaced? I was in Spaced in series two. I was an extra. Oh my God. 16 year I've got loads you of- must, You must have been a teenager because Spaced was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, yeah. Um, the famous Bugsy Malone, um, Daisy's birthday scene. Um, I'm in the uh -huh. background. Nice. Um, I think Baby Driver is a really solid film, but yeah, I, I agree with what you say. It's something different from him. However, I think it skews closest to uh, the energy of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. It's not a film I enjoy, but as far as Edgar yeah. Wright's body of work, I think for, for a lot of people who didn't see Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which if we're being really honest, is most of the film going public, despite what its fans will tell you, yeah. um, it was quite a shock. And it's got and it's got amazing stunt work in it. Some of the the professional driving that's, that's done here is incredible. Its use of visual effects is also it's also astonishing. Um, what they've done is they or they augmented stunt driving with computer generated imagery for some of the stunts, and the results are seamless. That shot of him handbrake turning through the alleyway during the opening uh, car chase, those lorries are not there. Yeah. That's just the car turning. The car is just doing handbrake, and they just insert the lorries. It's fantastic. It's slick. It's such a, it's such a slick-looking movie. It just, you know, like I said, I love the soundtrack. Loads of people always remember this because mm. of the soundtrack. I think Ansel Elgort's brilliant in this as well. I mean, look, it's it's got all the constructs of a really solid movie that people of all different interests will come back and enjoy. There's something about this that's very universal. So, look, it's on Sony Movies, 9 p.m. It's probably the earliest movie we've got for you this week um, <laughs> on Thursday. So, look, you don't need to kind of uh, press the record button for this. Go and enjoy it for what it is. That's Baby Driver um, on Sony Movies at 9 p.m. Now, rounding off the week, uh, this is quite a divisive movie, but it's one of mm. my favourite movies. I absolutely love this. Um, uh, only if you're uh, only if you're an Oscar announcer. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you might be a little bit Oscars, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this movie is one that I think, unfortunately, because of the hype machine, made people enjoy it less um, around that time. But I. I went and saw it as lucky enough as, as a screen, uh, you know, a, an early, early screening of this. And so I was able to be caught up in the magic of it. It's on BBC One, 11.35 p.m. We're talking about La La Land. I got a call back. What? Come on. <laughs> For what? For a TV show. The one that I was telling you about earlier. The Dangerous Minds meets the OC? Yeah. 
Congratulations, that's really incredible. Exciting. I feel like I said negative stuff about it before. What? It's like Rebel Without a Cause, sort of. I got the bullets. Yes. You've never seen it. I've never seen it. Oh my. You know it's playing at the Rialto. Really? Yes. You should, I mean, I'll, 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 I can take you. Okay. You know, for research. For research? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Monday night, 10, 10 o'clock. Yeah, great. Okay. For research. This for me, like we talked last week about Damien Chazelle and Whiplash mm. um, as a pick and you know, his love of jazz. It is obviously continued on in this. You just hit, heard that in the clip. Uh, this for me, I tell you why I loved it so much is because I really did feel like you could understand Damien Chazelle's love of the golden age of Hollywood and bringing all of that back as well. And I think he did that really cleverly. I think the homages that he played paid to other movies, like everything from like Boogie Nights to Singing in the Rain to all of that kind of stuff was done so expertly. And I feel like lots of people forget that um, and they just get so annoyed because of this whole hype machine problem with it. I mean, I actually agree with you, Paul, it's worth. I actually think as far as making uh, an homage to old school, you know, old school Hollywood and old school musicals and things like that, and doing it in a contemporary setting, this is far and away one of the most successful ones that's ever been made. Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone's ever put the love and craft into it quite the way that Chazelle does here. And to be fair, he has two very game leads yeah. in in Emma Stone and, and Ryan Gosling. Like, I don't think this would work quite as well with anyone's put it this way. If this was Miles Teller, you know, very, very different. I think I, think I heard at one point that Miles Teller was considered for this because, because of Whiplash, because he'd worked with him on Whiplash, which I will be honest, probably would have turned me off the movie entirely. But to be fair, I don't find Gosling that entertaining a presence either. He's just very good in this. Yeah, both are. And obviously, it proved it with Emma Stone picking up the Oscar for this as well. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're going to love it. It's it's Marmite, really. You either love it or you hate it. Um, I would say if you haven't watched it since it came out in 2016, give it another go. And without all that hype, just see if you enjoy it again and appreciate it for what it is. I certainly do. I'm going to be re-watching this on BBC One, 11.35pm on Friday night. It's a great way to see in your weekend. And you might even like it as much as Moonlight. Welcome back to Off Screen, and for one last ride, we're taking you down the virtual Blu-ray and DVD aisle, because this week sees the long-awaited home... Well, it's been on home platforms the entire time, hasn't it, really? But it's the actual shiny disc format release of the actually quite divisive superhero sequel Wonder Woman 1984. This proved a bit more polarizing than I expected. I thought it was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like, I thought the opener was brilliant. That is what you want to do to get you into into the mood of this movie. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think I preferred the first one, but I like yeah. by far. Uh, but it was fun. There's, there's nothing in there's nothing in Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four that's anywhere near as instantly iconic yeah. as the No Man's Land scene, for instance. And the film, when you stop to think about it for even a second, is filled with so many holes and so many problematic areas you don't want to go into, like the fact that, you know, your hero goddess of the Amazons warrior here, you know, warrior lady is having non-consensual sex with the animated corpse of a man. But let's not really dwell on that because it's very weird that they deal with it in the way they do. 
Um, but yeah, this is the Patty Jenkins directed sequel to 20, 2016's yeah, Wonder, okay. 2017's Wonder Woman, which of course brings her, funnily enough, hence the clever title, into 1984, where she goes opposite uh, Maxwell Lord, played here by Mandalorian star, Pe- Mandalorian and Game of Thrones breakout, Pedro Pascal, who's playing a sort of a new take on Maxwell Lord that's been stylized towards 80s era Donald Trump. The same character, yeah. incidentally, is currently the villain on the brand spanking new Superman and Lois series, which, if you haven't seen it, is the best version of Superman I've seen in 20 years. I am not even kidding. Wow. It's fantastic. It is absolutely blindingly good. But the character has been repurposed here for Wonder Woman because there is quite a famous point of connection between Wonder Woman and Maxwell Lord that you think they might have the nerve to include in the film, but no, they don't, even though they signpost it quite heavily. But yes, Wonder Woman's in 1984, Maxwell Lord is the villain, and he has the ability to grant wishes. Barbara! Hi. Perfect. I have someone I would like you to meet. A pleasure. Oh. Miss Minerva. Uh, it's doctor, actually. Um... Have we met before? You look familiar. Do the thing. Do the thing. Life is good, but it can be better. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, from TV. Oh my gosh, you're the you're the oil guy. The oil guy. Yes, I'll right? take it. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I really the the weakest thing for me in this is actually Kristen Wiig. I actually didn't really. Think? Yeah, I didn't really. Well, I actually I liked her when she was just the dorky sort of friend. <laughs> the moment she became who she became, this kind of villainess, uh, just didn't really work for me. But um, a little bit of Pedro Pascal news. He's, he was filming um, a new series with um, new Oscar nominee Maria Bakalova. Um, and they were in the middle of a scene when she found out about her Oscar nomination. Um, and oh. yeah, with Judd Apatow, actually, who um, just basically paused the scene and she thought she'd done something wrong. And uh, he went, no, just to let you know, you've just been nominated for an Oscar. How about that? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the good news is that at least anyone who, uh, you know, might have a ropier internet connection than you or I uh, can at least now see the film. Yeah. On DVD and, and Blu-ray. You can pick that up with your uh, with your essential shopping or non-essential shopping now, as the uh, time may be. Yeah. Timing. Yeah, non-essential shopping in uh, Tesco. So, which I presume the only, when your supermarket is the only place left, I think, you can... Pick up DVDs and Blu-rays that's not HMV, I think. But there's Crazy. Two kinds of places. But yes, over to streaming then, and a movie that I know I loved. I'm not sure where you fell on it offhand. Oh, my goodness. Coming to, you I, love this. Okay, I coming love to this. Netflix on Monday. Take it away, Bex. So we've got Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I read the book on holiday and then, watched, yeah, and then watched the movie. And I have to say, apart from a few obvious changes, it, it was fab. Um, and yeah. you, you know to have like a full Asian cast creates such a stir in terms of just you know so many different people loving this movie it was so refreshing to see and you know um, the lead characters in this were fantastic um, Henry Goulding was brilliant um, but unfortunately now like he's kind of typecast but I love his career trajectory from like travel presenter to Hollywood heartthrob it's kind of worked really well for him hasn't it uh, well, he's currently he's currently rebooting GI Joe. So wow, there we go. Yeah, he's 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 Snake Eyes in the new GI Joe prequel spin-off thing that they're 
hoping to launch a cinematic universe out of because apparently Paramount just don't learn lessons. But uh, yes, Henry Golding and Constance Wu are the leads yes. here. Of course, the plot, as with the book that you know, this is obviously based on, is uh, that she is the New York, the NYU professor. She does game theory, I think. She teaches yeah. game theory at NYU, and she goes home with her boyfriend to Singapore. For a, I think it's his best friend's wedding at which he's going to serve as best man, only to discover, well, he's got a few quid more than he let on. So your family is like rich. Um, we're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. It's not a big deal, obviously. I just think it's kind of weird that I had no idea. I mean, you have a Jamba Juice card. You use my Netflix password. You play basketball at that Y that kind of smells. I really like that place, thank you very much. And yes, my family has money, but I've always thought of it as theirs, not mine. At least we know she's not with him for his money. <laughs> there is that, there is that. But I think that's kind of, the, I think that seems to be the problem yeah. actually at one point in the plot. I guess why they hate her at one point. It's like, she has no interest in all this stuff. Like, she's not here for the money. Why are we keeping her around? Do you know what? If you watched anything like Bling Empire on Netflix mm. or anything like that, like it's it's kind of all this stuff has sort of been spawned off the success of this movie and our interest in kind of Asian culture and and the extreme like rich Asian culture as well. I think has been it's been really interesting to see the involvement since this movie. But yeah, it's it's a fab movie. I love it. And of course, my my absolute favorite thing about this movie, and I think for a lot of people, this is the case. Is Michelle Yeoh yeah. in, in in full Alexis Carrington mode? Yeah, she's just giving it the full John Collins yeah. up in there. And Aquafina's in, in that, this, isn't she? She's yeah. And, and Ken Jong as well. A nice little, yeah. nice little appearance from Ken Jong, who gets my favorite gag of the entire movie, purely relating just to his voice, yeah. which is just mm, chef's kiss to you, Mr. John. Chef's kiss. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to watch this again. This is on Netflix as yeah. of Monday. I'm watching it again. I adore Crazy Rich. I, I do. can't wait yeah. for the sequel. You should read the book. You should definitely read the book. It's really good. Before we move on, am I right in thinking because I've read the Wikipedia synopsis of the sequels and they seem way more like, you know, Dallas, Dallas Dynasty style soap opera. I've not read. I don't know about the sequels, to be honest. I'm, I'm surprised that they, if it was going to work, that they haven't done it already. Uh, there've been loads of because they want to do the two back to back. I know. Yeah. I forget what the third one is called. I know the seat. The second one is China Rich Girl. Mm. Or China Rich. It's, it, I think the first two words of each title are meant to be one specific descriptor. So it's meant. So it's not crazy as in insane and then rich. It's crazy rich. How rich are you? Oh, I'm crazy rich. Yeah. It's crazy rich Asian. And then it's China Rich Girl. So there's, there's that. So that's on Monday anyway. Let's go to Tuesday and the following day. We're keeping it with another rom-com. It's How to Be Single, Miss Perfect. Do you remember this one? No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I've seen many a rom-com in my time, but I don't even know who's in this one. This was Rebel Wilson, Dakota Johnson, Alison Brie, and I forget who the four... Oh, I think it might have been Leslie Mann. And it was four different rom-com plots, effectively, all melded up into one. And, you know, it, it was perfectly fine. It was sort of one of those, like, all-star casts, everyone... I love everyone. Leslie Mann. I think she's hilarious. And this, I believe, has Alison Brie uh, is meant to be the eternally single character who has to justify her cynically, uh, her cynically powered singledom to bartender Anders from Workaholics. 
Let me teach you how to be single. Okay. Lesson one. Go get us some drinks. Okay. No, that was a trick. You don't buy the drinks. Boys buy the drinks. It's kind of like a sexual currency that they use so they're not actually paying you to hook up. So, go get us a drink. Not with not with this wallet, okay, with the sausage wallet. Which of you is buying oil right now? Hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> I don't know why I just said y'all. You all would have taken just as much time. <laughs> and I'm not even from the South. I'm from Portland, <laughs> which is southern from Canada. Are y'all Canadian? I just did it again. I said it again. Oh, my God. Okay, bye. Not their funniest clip, if we're being honest. I got the wrong clip. I thought we were using the Alison Brie one, but never mind. That's Rebel Wilson and Dakota Johnson. They also exist. So you don't remember this one? No, and do you know what? I do struggle with Rebel Wilson films. I feel like it's so she's such the same character in every movie. It's the same humour. I get a bit bored of it, so it kind of deters me a little bit. But Leslie Mann, she's up there for mm -hmm. me with, like, uh, Rose Byrne. Like, I put them two together on par with, with comedies. Um, They've not done a movie together yet. I don't I feel know. Like they must have been in, I feel like they must have crossed paths at some. They must have done, but yeah, look, mm. I'll give it. I'll give it a watch. It's on Amazon Prime on uh, Tuesday. Um, so look, it sounds like an easy watch. Um, if you can stomach Rebel Wilson in these movies, then maybe it's one for you to catch. Well, one that we don't, uh, <clears throat> one that we don't especially need to talk about in too much detail, is I think it's iconic all on its own right at this stage. This is more like a public service announcement than that. <laughs> we'll go through. The Notebook is also on Amazon Prime how as of Wednesday. Always, how has it not always been on Amazon Prime? <clears throat> I feel like it just perpetually lives on streaming. The Notebook. Yeah. It's, it's kind of always there. But you know what? The Notebook, as of this week, is this, is, this next week is going to be on Amazon Prime. So. Right. Check that out. It's another Ryan Gosling movie. I think we know his audience at this stage. Uh, what else we got then? What have we got to round out the week? So to round out the week, we've got a great sort of documentary insight into... Or may, actually, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong movie here. No, very, very different. Very, very, uh, very, very different uh, movie. You're thinking of I Am Greta. Oh, no. Is, yeah, very, <laughs> very easy mistake to make. There's I Am Greta, which is a compelling insightful look into the mind of Greta Thunberg. Um, however, on Friday, <laughs> Friday on Netflix, there's going to be a very, very different movie called Greta, which stars Isabel Huppert in a single white female-style psycho-thriller <laughs> opposite Chloe Grace Moretz. Do you remember this one? It had a yellow cover. I couldn't, I couldn't have got that more wrong. Um, <laughs> I was literally, I was saying to Van off air in... I was saying to Van off air in this that actually I really enjoyed that. I was like, yeah, really, really like Greta. I thought it was really insightful. <laughs> I wondered what you meant by insightful. <laughs> I don't remember this one. Do not get that mistaken because you'll be going into a very different movie. But yeah, um, I am Greta. I was surprised if that had made it onto Netflix. But um, <laughs> let, I'll leave this one to you quite clearly. Uh, this is this is the movie where like uh, Chloe Moretz is you know sort of young Gen Z type you know gig economy worker. I think she's a waitress, like she's a gig economy waitress worker in this one who randomly crosses paths with Isabelle Huppert, who turns out to be a nutter and starts stalking her and obsessively trying to insert herself into Chloe Moretz's life, which is something I'm I'm not accustomed to seeing from someone not with not owning the surname Beckham. Are you insane? Please. Let's try and start again. I love you. You don't even know me. 
I tried to talk to you, I tried. But you wouldn't listen. People can't keep doing this to me. Never seen it. Might watch it. Definitely not what I thought it was. <laughs> You'd love this. You'd actually really love this. I mean, Isabelle Huppert has that very specific... This is like, imagine Meryl Streep just decided one day now, do you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be a bad guy in a psycho thriller. Nice. I want some fun. I want some fun. A sexy psycho thriller. Yeah. Well, yeah, this, one, this one's less on the sex. This hasn't got Michael Ely in it, so it's not quite I'm... as sexy as our other psycho thriller from earlier in the week. But I need... I, need, I think they should... I need them to make a Michael Ely sexy psycho thriller box set. I, I, yeah, think they should. I think so. I think they should call it the Ely Collection, as if yeah. it's a museum exhibit. Yeah. Um, check out Greta, though, Bex. I think you'd really get on with it. It's just got some absolutely deranged stuff in it. And, yeah, I mean, Isabel Huppert being the one doing it all is just amazing. It's just so fun. Do you know what I have to say? What would I do without this podcast? I mean, I've made all sorts of problematic choices without knowing the little nuances of I am versus singular Greta. <laughs> um, anyway, that is your streaming DVD and Blu-ray offerings for the week. Quite a solid selection there for you. I mean, across the board this week, I think we've got some really good choices. There's definitely, as I say every week, we always try and pick something for everyone there, from sexy psycho thrillers through to homages to Hollywood's golden age. And then, of course, um, you know, the uh, iconic movies such as The Notebook are also out. Next week, we're going we're gonna to take that selection up a notch. We, we, there are films coming out like Tom and Jerry the movie, um, oh, Ammonite, which I think if you Ugh. ever want to hear a bit of a rant, uh, you will hear me and Van talk quite extensively about our dislike of that movie. I can't remember offhand because we watched it at home. Yeah. We watched it in our respective homes as part of the London Film Festival. Um, did we have the conversation via WhatsApp? Because I know I had it with Matt Turner and Zara. I can't remember if you were, if you were included in this, but I... There, there were some text rants. Let's just say there you were. And some I, you and I separately messaged each other going, Are we watching? This film was supposed to do the business at awards. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was the one. What mentioned is, is quite, is, is up there. But um, yeah, like, guys, stick with us next week and you can hear us talk all about Ammonite. And the best part is because we, we're taking a week off after, uh, we can <clears throat> we can include a few, you know, for the following week that we're not going to cover otherwise. And we can uh, we can talk about the Mauritanian because that's going to be out the week that we're off. And uh, Made in Italy as well. The Liam Neeson goes to Italy for a holiday and decides to just film it as a narrative. With a very specific set of skills? I mean... He has a ve- apparently, it's a very specific set of renovation skills, I think, because he's oh. just renovating a house in Italy. That's the movie. God. Um, but yes, I think the Mauritanian was meant to get some awards buzz as it well. It did on the Globes. I think it did on the Globes. And a few others, just not Oscars. I only, I, I only know this because to hear Raheem keeps getting nominated for things and it gets mentioned a lot on Adele Exopolis' yeah. Instagram feed which I in no way spend entirely too much time browsing. But uh, that's all to come next week off screen. In the meanwhile, that, that kind of that kind of gives us a good solid week to round off on. We'll return next week. We'll take a weekend off after that. But for now, I've been Van Connor. And I've been Bex Perfect. And we shall return. Well, 
Well, we hope you had a good time this week, and if you want to keep those good times rolling, don't forget to join us 5pm Monday, Wednesday, Friday, UK time, of course, on the Stereo app for our off-screen live sessions. You can get the Stereo app for free in the Google Play Store, on the App Store, on Apple or iOS. Uh, create an account, follow us, at BexPerfect, at Van Cotter, 5pm GMT, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for our live sessions, when we'll give you our thoughts on the day's biggest movie news. We'll see you there.